Lemon Pepper Parlay is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. That's right. It's another edition of the Lemon Pepper Parlay podcast. Just a day late on the playoff weekend, but don't worry. We still got you covered. I'm Martin Weiss, joined here with the kid from Kansas City in Kansas City himself, Mark Gunnels. Mark, uh, how cold is it there? Do you have hypothermia? (laughs) I do not, actually. I spend most of my time indoors. And if I have been outside, it's just to go to the car real quick, which is already, you know, you, you, you know, you've been in Michigan, you know, about the preheating the car before you actually get in there, letting it warm up for like 10 to 15 minutes, you know, let it go. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you don't know. You don't seem like you're, you're too convinced there. You never no, have it to. Just, it just, it, I oh, mean, okay. every time I would do it, the car still be cold. Like it's, it's like it never, it, you never get warm all the way. You just get warmer than you once were. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will say though, there did get to a point where I was in the car with my mom, and it was it got too hot. Like I actually got too hot. Like the heat was blasting, Martin. I mean, full go. I'm like, okay, can you turn down a little bit? I'm starting to sweat now. And keep in mind, I have a coat on and everything. All my layers still on while I'm in the car. Yeah, I never could relate to that. I could not be warm. <laughs> I, I used to be cold from. <laughs> I used to say it in all the time. I'd be cold from uh, Thanksgiving to St. Patrick's Day. Oh, man. <laughs> that was just the, the operation I've felt. No matter what the temperature was, no matter what it was, I was just, it was a seeping, seeking in cold that uh, that I could never shake. But it's the same kind of cold that the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, who else? Uh, uh, Miami Dolphins and Pittsburgh Steelers all feel today. Yeah, man, and... Speaking of, speaking of cold, one guy that's about to leave the cold looks like and go to the warm is your boy Bill Belichick. He has a second interview coming up with the Atlanta Falcons. Looks like normally I, I was always told when you get that second interview, pretty much you pretty much got the job in the most part, most of the time, most of the time. Well, one Josina Anderson is uh, in her own special way of reporting saying, barring any setbacks, which I feel like that's pretty big, you know, barring any setbacks, he will be the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, in case it happens, it will happen unless it doesn't, according to Josina Anderson. Well, and I think this is interesting because me and you have kind of been, well, at least before the year and maybe the first half, the kind of advocates of the Atlanta Falcons. You know, we picked them to win the division this year. We know we knew that Desmond Ritter obviously had limitations, but you believed in that system. You thought Bijan Robinson would be more involved in the offense. I like the defensive guys they brought in there. So I'm curious to hear from you first. What are your thoughts on this potential marriage with Belichick going to Atlanta, which is ironic for many reasons, right? 28 to 3, <laughs> right? And now he's going to be your head of coach now. So I'm curious to see where do you land on this? I mean, that's what I would have done in my interview is just – Point back, 28 to three. He's like, you remember that game? Yeah. All right, end of interview. Uh, my thought is, at fir- my first thought is, is New Orleans, fight back. Please, just fight back. Do something. Do anything. Like, oh, 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 you fire Pete Carmichael. Woohoo! Fire the wide receivers coach. Yippee! Wide receivers coach. Wide receivers were the best part of the offense. But you know what? Moved on from him. All right, awesome. Sensational. Great. We still have the worst coach in NFL history, minimum 50 games. Dennis Allen. And you know how many games he's coached over that threshold? 70. 70 games. 
Wow. He's coached. He's, he, he, Arthur Smith coached 51 games, had a 400 winning percentage. Dennis Smith, three, four. I mean, Dennis, Dennis Smith. Dennis, you know what? Okay. Dennis Smith shoots from three. What Dennis Allen, uh, uh, his winning percentage is 343 in 70 games. But now, of course, don't worry about it. The team, one of the teams that you could have, you know, beaten and, and, and one of the, they just want a playoff game. So they're on track. And then another one is about to hire the best coach of all time. Uh, yeah, we're, we, things are great. Everything is fine. Don't look over here. Yeah. So I think the fit to me is interesting because, you know, we're used to Belichick with the Patriot way, obviously, you know, kind of coaching and playing in fear. You're right. A lot of players have come out that have played for Belichick. Haven't spoke too highly of him, but obviously there's still a respect factor there. But now if you go to Atlanta, you're talking about a really young team, especially offensively, you know, does that style really play in today's NFL? Uh, who's going to be his quarterback? Maybe you get Russell Wilson. Maybe um, Kirk Cousins is a free agent. Is that a possibility? I think that's probably your best case scenario. I think we both can agree that it will not be Desmond Ritter. I don't see Belichick playing that game again with a young, unproven quarterback. But I do think there are pieces there in place. I mean, obviously, that division is very winnable. I mean, all you got to do is win eight or nine games, it seems like, to win the NFC South. But I, I do wonder, does that style of coaching work now? Because you're out the building. You're not New England anymore. You can't get away with that Patriot way. Does that do, do players from today, do they adapt to that? Do they relate to that? I'm not sure. I think all that's overblown. The guy is one of the best football coaches of all time. I think he'll figure out a way to scratch out nine wins, like especially with a more talented roster. The problem in New England, to me, wasn't the coaching. In fact, Belichick was one of the guys who was, I mean, literally innovating coaching year in, year out. I mean, that field goal block that they had this year, no one else in the league has ever done that. Why? Because Bill Belichick knows the rules better than you, 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 and you, and you. Nah, so I'm not buying it. It's just a question of do you have a – I mean, the, the Patriots didn't have a NFL quarterback on the roster this year, like an NFL starting quarterback at least, right? Mac Jones will never start full-time again, more than likely. Bailey Zappi has never started full-time and won't. And, I mean, the same thing in Atlanta where t Taylor Heineke and Desmond Ritter. But, again, you just saw this division won by Baker Mayfield, who was on his fourth team in, what, six years? Lamar Jackson in the same draft about to win his second MVP. Like, yeah, I mean, no, that was Baker was a swing and a miss pretty much everywhere he went. I mean, the Rams could have had him for the backup quarterback job. And you know what? He's like, no, I'll go down to Tampa and signed on a one year deal and approve a deal. And now he'll probably get, you know, I don't know what type of bag he'll get in Tampa or on the open market. Nobody was clamoring for Baker Mayfield and they're still not. Let's shift gears real quick. Your boy, Jim Harbaugh. He's interviewed for two jobs, one of those being Atlanta and with the Los Angeles Chargers. Obviously, if you don't know by now, that means you haven't been listening to this show. But Martin Weiss is a Michigan alum. He's still riding on a hall time high right now. He's a national champion. But it, it appears that your head coach may be leaving to go back to the pros. I, I, we want to hear your thoughts on this whole situation here. I think that'd be an all-time dumb move. Like an all-time dumb move. He just bought himself like six years of job security at Michigan. Like legitimately. Now, you look like, again, Arthur Smith. You know what I'm saying? Finished second in the division, what, twice? 
Never made the playoffs because of wild card. Fired. I mean, I'll just put it like this. You know, all the coaches in the NFL right now whose job was either who either got fired or had job security questions, they all won the division sometime in the last three years. They all went to the playoffs sometime in the last three years, except for Frank Reich, who running back four years for that because he made the playoffs with Phillip Rivers and lost to Josh Allen in the AFC Championship game in a game they probably should have won. Right, but that was with Phillip Rivers as they're running the, the, the doing the the you know the the home for misfit quarterbacks is every they were just running them through and it ended up crashing and burning with Carson Wentz. So yeah, no, you're so, talking about the Mike McCarthy's, the Sean McDermott's of the world. All of oh, you mean you mean Sean McDermott who has won a playoff game in the last three seasons? Mike McCarthy, who has won the NFC East twice and went to the playoffs in the last three seasons, won a playoff game. Mike Tomlin, who again has never had a losing season. Uh, you name it. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Arthur Smith is the one who doesn't qualify because they didn't go to the playoffs or win a playoff game. But still, I'm trying to... Uh, Mike, Mike, Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel was the freaking one seed in the AFC less than three years ago. So that's the level of job security that you have in the NFL. You want to leave Michigan who can pay you comparably to what... I mean, what are the freaking uh, Chargers going to offer them? $18 million, $20 million a year? Mission's got 15 for you right now. If you leave that, you're certifiably dumb, in my opinion. Do you think a lot of it has to do with the potential NCAA violations that could be coming down on Michigan, though? I think that's all it has to do with it. Is he doesn't want to get fired for past, you know, for stuff that he's already been punished for, which is fair. Ward Manuel needs, needs to get off his fat and sign his contract and get this over with. Like, because right now they're losing guys in the transfer portal, guys that they could be getting. Like you, and especially with the landscape of college football as it is today, Michigan's one of the few places that still has what seems to be like the culture of the team, the team, the team, even with the transfer portal and all of that, you'll get guys to stay like Donovan Edwards should have Donovan Edwards would have transferred last year if he was at a different school and Blake Corham ended up coming back for his senior year. You know, Alex Orgy would have transferred last year knowing that JJ was coming back. Like, so and I know that J.J. McCarthy being gone, good luck. I don't see him being any higher than uh, he's I don't there's no chance he's a first round pick. Remember that like this. We're, we're going to go through all this draft and all of this stuff. Would you watching Michigan play football all season? J.J. was not a first round pick and everybody's going to mock him there. Everybody's going to mock him up high. And soon we'll be talking about, oh, you know, the Bears might actually take J.J. at one instead of Caleb Williams and all this other crap. Like we heard about Will Levis and eating mayonnaise. And he's like, no, he wasn't a first round pick. He's never going to be a first round pick. But, you know, I'm not even trying to crush the kid. He want to go get his money. Go get your money. But the idea that, you know, oh, oh, Harbaugh will go to Atlanta and then draft J.J. as his quarterback. Well, they'll both be looking for new jobs in three and a half <laughs> years if that's the case. <laughs> well, according to your boy, Blake Corum, he said that J.J. McCarthy can be a Tom Brady in the NFL. I saw that quote floating around here. And Blake Corum obviously declared for the NFL as well. I think he translates. I, I think with running back in the NFL now, it, I mean, like we saw Isaiah Pacheco, like for my Chiefs, is a seventh round pick. Like you can find a running back anywhere that can produce as long as they're in a pretty good system. You have a, at least a decent offensive line. Like you I just don't believe this is not this is not a true statement. It's it just is. not. It no, it's is. not. You know who had a decent offensive line? You know who had a pretty good quarterback all season? You know who couldn't run the ball? The Dallas Cowboys. There you go. Like, but Tony, 
You know, oh, oh, don't worry. We'll just replace Ezekiel Elliott with Rico Dowdle. How'd it work? Okay, I mean, yeah, you're going to have cases like that. But what I'm saying is, like, I, I'm in the camp. I know you're against it. I'm, I'm in the camp of I'm not drafting a running back in the first round unless he's a generational talent. Like, I'm, I'm just not doing it because I can find a, a maybe not as good a running back, but I can find a productive running back in later rounds because there's so many of them. I feel like it's one of the positions where you're, you're never going to not find a running back. Like we, how many times do we see guys? Like, I mean, just for example, look at the freaking Ravens. I know they have a good system, but they just plug anybody in there and they produce. It doesn't matter yeah, who Because the Ravens have a Edwards. quarterback who's going to win his second MVP in five years. That's why that's able to happen. Like, watch where – like, like we, we just ignore the idea. Like, yeah – it's all that plug and play running back stuff is fine when you have a regular when when you have a a, a one of the top three or five talents in the game at quarterback. Sure, sign it up. You know you got Josh Allen. Sure, maybe you don't need a running back. You know what? If you got Derek Carr, you need a running back. If you got uh hell anybody else in the in the NFC South, you know what you need a running game. Like you just like uh, it just. It just drives me nuts when people talk about, oh, look at the last Super Bowl winners. None of them had running backs. Like, look, they're blunt. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, so on and so forth. Ignoring the fact that it, no, it was Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and freaking whoever, Aaron Rodgers was like the last, these guys who were dominating the league without running backs. It, 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 it drives me nuts. No, you need a running back. You need a running back. Maybe my mind is clouded because I'm looking at the Chiefs every Sunday. And no, because you know, your mind is clouded because you missed on Clyde Edwards Alaire. What you can't do is miss <laughs> on a running back in the first round. That's what you can't do. You think the Detroit Lions, who have a quarterback who's also had a lot of playoff success in his career with Jared Goff, you think they regret taking Jameer Gibbs in the first round? I answer for you. Absolutely not. That's fair. That's fair. But I think he's like, special, though. He reminds me of Jamal Charles. I've 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 he he's super explosive. So the answer is don't miss on a, and you know what the reality is you really can't miss on anybody in the first round. If you don't draft a productive player in the first round, you're setting your team back. Just ask the Cowboys again, Maji Smith, he's sitting on the bench the whole season. You know what they couldn't do? Stop the run. You know why they couldn't stop the run? Because the guy that drafted to stop the run couldn't play. But how many years do you give a guy? Like at least what three? First round pick, you're gonna give him four. This is contract. Well, I'm saying, like, as far as your opinion on them, like they're a bust or not, like you missed. Like, how many years do you say, okay, you missed on that one? It depends on what it looks like. Like, yeah, you know, like uh, Christian McCaffrey was never a miss for me, even though, like, you know, he was hurt a few years, like, you know, knocked up, not nicked up a few times, but he was ended up being healthy, like down the stretch. Now he's healthy now that he's more of a complimentary piece. But, like, you know, it, it all depends. That's fair. Let's get into the divisional round, man. Big weekend. Let's get into it. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All of this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. You keep those winnings. But if you lose, you get to stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and up only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wager only. Must register with the eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is held as a loss 
bet maximum bonus bet $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, and Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Martin, the divisional round weekend is here. A lot of people say this is the best weekend in football. I tend to agree. You know, you're down to the final eight. It's like the elite eight. You're, you're past the wild card weekend. You know, some of the seven seeds, you could be like, eh, Pittsburgh, eh, you know, didn't really do much for you. But the Packers did win the first seven seed to win since they expanded the field. The first they game. Don't change. First of all, if you're going to be ahead. dumb enough to build an outdoor stadium, you can't move the game. No, I'm, I'm you can't move the game. Like, no, I'm that's dumb as hell. Like, I'm sorry, you can't move the game. And I think the Steelers probably would have won that game against the Bills if it was played today. It was supposed to be a play instead of moving the game when what you built an outdoor stadium due to weather. That's ridiculous. We'll get to that team a little bit later in Buffalo. The first game, though, the Houston Texans, the CJ Stroud, Houston Texans traveling to Baltimore to take on the one-seed Ravens. We haven't seen this team play at full strength in about three weeks because obviously they rested week 18 and they had to buy last weekend. Right now, the Ravens are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is at 43-and-a-half. Where are you leaning on this one? Uh, with the points and the Texans, but I think the Ravens win. So I think it ends up being a touchdown game. I don't know how you watch – C.J. Stroud in the last three, four weeks of the season and have, give nine at any point. Like, that's kind of crazy to me. And I know this Ravens... But the Ravens have been known for blowing out teams with these big spreads at home. We've talked about that plenty of times throughout the year. Well, I'm going to go ahead and down go down with the ship again because here's the difference between both those teams that they blew out at home, the Lions, the Seahawks, 
NFC teams. There were NFC teams, and Lamar Jackson has an incredible record of like 18 or 19 and 1 against the NFC, in part because I think they just see him less. Uh, and the, the Texans, Texans played them week one. Already played them this year, exactly. And CJ's first game in the league, Marlon Humphrey's going to be out. So I expect CJ to be able to put points up on the board in this. You know what else he does? Go under center and run the ball. Anyway, I digress. Uh, there's, there's there's no secret to these teams that have this this success. You know they do. They get under center and they run the ball. Uh, in fact, of these teams, of the eight, three of them do it a ton, and that's probably the reason why they're here. But Texans being one, Packers being another, Buccaneers being the third. But I'm gonna go ahead and take the Texans and the points. Uh, expect the Ravens to win the game, and I think this is setting up nicely for a Lamar versus some stud quarterback in the AFC Championship game. I thought you were going to give it away there. <laughs> I think I have a good feeling who you're picking in that game, by the way. But I'm, I I agree with you, actually. Yeah, I, I got to take Houston plus the points here. Nine and a half is just way too much for my blood, despite the Ravens blowing out teams at home, good teams at home throughout the year, even blew out their Niners, and, but another NFC team, to your point. On the They're, road. You know what? Four that get under center and run the ball. Forgot about the Niners. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, my only qualm with this game is the Ravens getting after CJ Stroud with their front four. They do lead the league in sacks, and he hasn't thrown a many. He hasn't thrown a many interceptions. We know that. But he, there have been some times where he throw he can get a little antsy. And take some risk with the ball. So I, I do worry about that because if the Ravens can get a turnover or two, get good field position, things could spiral out of control. But to your point, will they be able to run the ball? This is not an easy front seven to run on. So I, they have to live in third and manageable. I don't think they can live in third and long in this game where they can just pin their ears back and you know that it's an obvious passing down situation. And on the other side of the ball, we didn't really touch on that. This defense has been playing a lot better as of late. They did play Lamar week one, which is a long time ago. It feels like two seasons ago. But I, I do wonder what that looks like, especially with the Texans front four. Because I, I do believe on the opposite end, you need to make sure the Ravens aren't living in third and manageable where they're really dangerous because now they have the run pass option. You got Lamar with his legs that comes into a factor there as well. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, give me the Texans in the nine. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I mean, it wouldn't be the strangest thing in the world if the Ravens blew it. They've done it before in this you, in this same spot. You think rust is a real thing? I think it's less rust and more rhythm. Like. You get into a rhythm playing. I mean, I just know me personally. Like, we're doing this podcast a day later. Like, it it messes with my psyche or whatever. Like, I like to do things when there's, you know, in order and, like, week after week after week. And I find that's my most successful way to get through the football season. So, while it gives you an opportunity to get healthy, I mean, ultimately, it's no excuse. But I do think that getting into a rhythm of, of playing consistently uh, has a bigger impact than people make it out to be. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Let's go to the next game on Saturday. Saturday night, talking about another team potentially facing some rust or a lack of rhythm. The 49ers, the one seed in the NFC, 
are hosting the Green Bay Packers. I feel like we see this matchup every other year. Obviously, now it's no Aaron Rodgers. It was Jordan Love this time. And same spread in this one. The home team, the Niners, are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under is at 50-and-a-half. I'll start on this one. I'm the same way. I'm, well, I just lied. I want to be the same way on this one because you know I love Jordan Love, no pun intended. Actually, it probably was a pun intended there. But are you sure? Are you, which way are you? You don't know which way you're going. You don't know if you're intending puns or not intending puns. No, I know. Well, let's get it together. I know which way I'm going. I know, I know. But just as much as you love CJ Stroud, that's how I am with Jordan Love. But I have to be objective here. I think the Niners do win this game by 10 or more points. And it's for one main reason. And you pointed out it earlier. I don't think the Packers are going to be able to stop that running game. You know, and I know it's been years ago, a few years ago, but we've seen the Niners go against this Packers team. Same coaches, by the way, familiar. Uh, they're very familiar with each other. And they've ran for over 200 yards. Wasn't that the game or was that the Vikings game where Jimmy G only threw like nine times? Was it the Packers game or the Vikings? No, it was the Packers. It was the Packers game. Right, right. They just ran the ball down their throats. And this Packers team... They've allowed over 200 yards rushing in four games this year. You know, I mean, so I think the formula is very, very simple here. CMC is going to eat whatever his rushing props is, take the over on anything, anytime touchdown. I think he's going to have a monster game. I think the extra rest will do well for him, especially a guy that's been, you know, banged up throughout the years. They've been relying on him a lot in the passing and running game. So, as much as I want to back Jordan Love and the Packers in this one, I just think coming off that high, especially in Dallas, the way they won that game, I think the Niners kind of put it on them, man. No, I agree. I think the Niners roll. This game's a laugher by halftime. Uh, Packers, this is where Cinderella goes to die. The clock strikes midnight, all of that. It was cute, but I think that was that, that game in Dallas was much more of a referendum on the Dallas Cowboys than it was a statement for the for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, you got guys running butt booty open. Uh, it, it was ridiculous. That guy, uh, there was some next gen PFF stat had that Luke Musgrave on that tight end drag was the op most open player in the NFL this year. Oh, which wow. Just to me, I don't know how he was any more open than when Brock damn near missed Christian McCaffrey and against the Cardinals. And he had enough time to catch the ball, fall down, get up, trip a little bit, and still score a touchdown. But apparently that's how open it was. And I think the Packers exposed some of the Cowboys linebacking core and put the second level of the defense in in uh in traction. But I mean, Mr. Simone Biles and the rest of the uh in the Packers defensive secondary, I don't think they'll be able to hold up against the 49ers passing attack. Kyle Shanahan loves to find one player and pick on them uh relentlessly. So I feel bad for whatever Packers linebacker that will be. But I agree with you. I think the Niners roll this and uh, come close to covering the 50 and a half by themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see a world where this is close in the second half. I think the Niners are probably even potentially resting guys in the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be a bloodbath. But I want to be wrong so bad. I'm not putting money on it because... I, I am a Jordan Love guy, and I do think he's still going to play pretty decent. I just don't believe in their defense, man. I think it's going to be a ball control game. I think the time of possession is going to be massively in the Niners' favor, and I just don't think 
And they're going to be playing from behind. That's the thing for me, where you get that Niners front, you know, Nick Bosa and those boys can just pin their ears back when there's no threat of the run. Aaron Jones is playing really good ball. But if you get behind early, you're going to have to air it out. And I don't think that's a recipe for success for Green Bay this Saturday. Yeah, I think also I think Jordan Love throws two interceptions. Well, you heard it there. So if you want to take Jordan Love for an anytime interception, I'm sure it's at 0.5 because he hasn't thrown. Oh, it'll two. be 0.5, and it'll probably yeah. be plus money on the yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you heard it there from Martin. There's the player prop for you. So go ahead and take that. Let's go on to Sunday, man. Let's go back to Martin's stomping grounds. Well, at least one of them. Dude, Detroit Lions got another home game. Thanks to the Dallas Cowboys collapsing. You know, Aiden Hutchinson said he wanted the Cowboys. They wanted that revenge for that crazy finish. But yeah, of course, Aiden Hutchinson wanted them twice because if uh, I wanted them again, they already beat them once. If the referee hadn't completely blown Dan Skipper coming in, declaring eligible several times throughout the game. And then on the last time, it was Taylor Decker declaring eligible. He was just too doggone busy to pay attention that it was number 68 and not 70. They won that game on that play. That game was over right then and there. And, I, you know, people always are, well, they had other chances to win. It, it's nothing like winning the game. It's nothing like winning the game when you actually have it right there in hand and the referee just takes it away from you. Like, it's not like it, it's not like anybody did anything wrong. This is a referee's fault solely. It was the referee's fault. We go. We this argument goes back to uh, the conference championship weekend when the Rams beat the Saints, which is ironic now because I see a whole bunch of Rams fans crying about the calls and so on and so forth. Well, I didn't hear none of that when Nicole Roby Coleman tackled Tommy Lee Lewis in the open field, looked around for a flag and was shocked. He almost went to the ref himself and was like, "What are we talking about? You're not going to flag me for this? I just killed a man on national television." And then I had to hear about how D Ford literally jumping offside is the same thing. No, it wasn't. Deep Ward, stay on sides. You don't have to worry about that. And if Tommy Lee Lewis, I don't know what to tell you. Just get hit. Just get tackled. And, and I don't know, I guess make the catch with your ankles as you're flipping around through the air. Anyway, <laughs> I'm taking the Lions uh, to win. I think the Buccaneers probably keep it close, though. So you're taking Bucks. It's six and a half. Yeah, but I think the Lions end up winning, and I think they can try to probably backdoor cover this. I think, so, the, I think the Rams were better than the Buccaneers. Like, if the Rams had won this game, I'd be picking the Rams to advance to the conference championship game. Buccaneers, if, if the Eagles hadn't been 1-2-3 Cancun after seven minutes left in the first quarter of that game, which was, I mean, some of the worst. I mean, that's the worst effort I had seen in a football game, minus a team coached by Brandon Staley all year, was the Eagles in the first round of the playoffs. If and, I mean, Tampa should have scored 40 on them. If Mike Evans, who, who, of course, the reason why he dropped those balls is because I drafted him in the best ball league that we do with uh, extra points. So that's why he dropped two touchdowns, uh, because that just would have boosted our score. You know, of course, sorry, Mike, and sorry to the Buccaneers fans for doing that, because I should have known I am the kiss of death. But no, I'm t- uh, I, I don't see. I mean, don't worry. Mike Evans have a field day on the secondary, but I think the Buccaneers defense will not be able to hold up to the Lions offense. These two teams played already this year. It's 20 to 6 Lions. I see a game like probably 28 to like 24. So you got the Bucks covering. I got the Bucks covering. I have the Bucks actually winning this game. I, I think it's going to be really difficult for Detroit 
all that emotion that was built into that Rams game with Matthew Stafford coming to town, the first home playoff game in like a hundred years. And everybody was expecting them now to go to the NFC championship game. And I just think that's a different dynamic. Uh, while the Bucks, nobody's giving them a chance in this game. I've seen all the talking heads talking about this game. And I, I just think that first game, like that was week five, 20 to six. I, it's not going to look anything like that. And you kind of hinted at that with your score, obviously. But Rashad White, their running back the for the Bucks, he wasn't really a thing at that point. He only had 26 yards on seven carries in that game. Uh, he hasn't had seven carries since that game. Uh, they've been really relying on him a lot. He has several games with 20 or more carries. Against the Eagles, he had 18 for 72. He gets involved in the passing game as well. I just think it's going to be a different dynamic uh, they're going to face this time around. And I still have questions about that Lions secondary, man. I, I think the Tim Bacon. No, there's no questions. It stinks. Yeah. yeah, I think the Bucks can get after them, man. As long as Baker can play a clean football game, you know, which is going to be a very hostile environment, obviously. But, you know, he, he's been playing good. He's been playing good within structure. And I, I don't see why that won't continue unless Hutchison just wrecks the game, which is possible. There will, no, there will only be one upset in, in divisional round weekend. You said what? There will only be one upset in divisional round weekend. What, this next game? Mm-hmm. God. I don't even, I mean, I guess technically it's an upset, but do we really look at that as an upset? <laughs> I mean, I'm only going by what the point spread says. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, let's get to it because we might go a little longer on this one. Maybe not. But my Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, you've been hearing about it all week, Martin, because I know you're where you work at. He's playing his first road playoff game. Oh, my God. Kenny went on the road. They're going to Orchard Park where the Bills are getting your classic three-point treatment at home, which tells you if it was a neutral site, it will be pretty much a pick em. The over-under is at 45 and a half, and it's going to be clear skies. It's going to be cold, but the Chiefs just played a negative 30 windshield, so 25 degrees is actually going to feel like summer to those boys in Kansas City. So you kind of already hinted at it, but let me hear you elaborate on why you believe the Chiefs win this game. I mean... The Bills are on short rest. The Bills have are missing several defenders. It's kind of the same thing as the Miami game. I was just the Miami had four and a half, and I just felt better about taking the four and a half. But I thought the Chiefs would still win. But uh, it's the same recipe, and it's like Patrick Mahomes is about to get these decimated defenses due to injury uh, all the way to the AFC Championship game, which, I mean, that's the way the game is played. You're not making excuses for anybody. And if Kansas City had all the injuries that Buffalo had, they'd still sign up and play. So I'm not about to sit here and try to make an excuse for it. But it is a fact that, I mean, Buffalo's down three cornerbacks. Like, good luck. Like, I didn't see anything crazy in that Dolphins game that made me think that the Chiefs' offense is any better than – you know, what I had seen in years past, or I shouldn't say in years past, in weeks past this season. Um, but, yeah, I think and maybe if it wasn't freaking negative 0,000 degrees in Kansas City, Miami would have put up a better showing. But uh, I think the Chiefs defense is, is is a really formidable unit and might be, I mean, it's probably of the, what, there's, there's eight teams left. 
three units per team, defense, offense, special teams. So it's 21 or no, 24 units. Uh, I think the Chiefs probably have a top three unit in the Chiefs defense going into this. And uh, the Bills, I don't know, maybe this is just me tripling down on priors. I didn't even think this team was going to make the playoffs. And let's be real, if Kadarius Tony lines up on sides, they don't make the playoffs. Uh, and so I think this is a team that they already beat once, essentially, if everybody is paying attention to the rules. And uh, I think they'll go ahead and handle them in Orchard Park. Patrick Mahomes playing a road playoff game is not concerning to me, seeing as uh, most of the Super Bowls are not playing at their home stadium. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I mean, I pretty much echo most of your sentiments there. And I'll even go as far as to say this. I mean, I, I think the Chiefs may win this game by two scores. I, I really do. And, I, and that's just not me speaking as a Kansas City native. Like, all those injuries they have, and I'm sure most of those guys will still try to give it a go, uh, but even still, they're not going to be healthy. Their linebacker depth really, really is depleted. And we saw in that Pittsburgh game, I mean, Mason Rudolph threw a pick at, in their, at their four-yard line. They were right there, for second and goal, threw a pick. Pickens had a fumble in their own territory, which basically set up a freeze touchdown for Buffalo at that point. They're already in the red zone. And you mentioned, I mean, if that game was played in the worst, condi worst conditions on Sunday, who knows what could have happened? That obviously would have favored Pittsburgh. So I didn't see anything in that game that made me feel confident in Buffalo moving forward. And this just feels like, you know, we were talking earlier in the season Sean McDermott's job was on the line. You know, like, there was still the Stefan Diggs stuff floating around. Is he happy? It just feels like this should be the end of this Bills team as we know it. Obviously, we know Josh Allen's going to be there forever, but I think there's still a world where if they just get beat to a pulp, I think it's going to be similar to, like, the Bengals game last year. I'm not saying it's going to be 27 to 10, but I do think it's going to be have that type of same feeling where you just, they just get their hearts ripped out at home, back-to-back -back years to uh, Joe Burrow, who's gonna not going anywhere, Patrick Mahomes, both at home. I think McDermott may get fired after this performance. And yeah, I was about I, to say, his job is on the line right now. Yeah, like they have to at least make it to the AFC Championship game. I mean, you got him at home. You all It's like every other game, every game against the Chiefs, it seems like over the past three years has been an arrowhead. You finally got him at home. This is your best chance. I mean, this is the worst, right? Mahomes team in the Mahomes era, right? On paper. So it's the worst offense. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you can still say worst team, I think. This but, is, yeah. I mean, at no point did the Chiefs have a defense like this going like, I oh, mean, yeah. Of course. In terms of just defensive line pressure, and you got two corners who can strap up and play man. So it's bag stuff will work now. Once you have one of those guys goes down, then. then Look out. But, yeah, I, I think Chiefs defense is probably the best they've had since, at least since Tyron Matthew was safety and back in his prime. Yeah, 100%. Let's get to our lemon pepper parlay. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Martin. Time for our lemon pepper parlays. I'll start off. And I mentioned we talked about these games, obviously. I'm pairing the 49ers on the spread, nine and a half, with the Chiefs money line. Not even messing with the spread in that one. That's how confident I am the Chiefs win this game. I get both of those at a plus 339. Well, uh, to uh, paraphrase my good friend Dave Damashek, that's what you do if you want to survive. I want to live. I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and take the Chiefs on the money line, San Francisco minus nine and a half, and add in the Lions on the money line. That's plus 480, just under 49, I should say, just under five to one for your money. And then you're sitting good watching the divisional games with your feet up, chilling. There you go. Okay. Well, another great episode, buddy. Next week, we'll be talking about the championship week. Can you believe it, man? We're only, what, three more weeks of football? I mean, if you count this one, we're already we're, we're on to it's already the divisional round in my mind. It's Thursday. Well, yeah. To me, yeah. the calendar changes on Tuesday <laughs> or Wednesday. Yeah. So three more weekends for sure. Yeah. Well, good luck, you, buddy. You can't forget the skills competition. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll be tuning into that to yeah, get your right. football, get your football fixed in. That's the <laughs> official start of basketball season. Pro Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Almost NBA trade deadline, man. This is, this is when it all starts to matter, according to the Lakers last year and the Pelicans last year and all that. Yeah, this is when it all starts to matter. It's after the trade deadline. I will say real quick, I do like Siakam to Indiana. I like that was a really good move. I like that a lot for them. That was like a – I don't know if you've ever seen The Wire, but that was a 40-degree day. Like nobody cares about a 40-degree day. It's like if it's 30, it's too cold. If it's 50, you're barbecuing. On a 40-degree day, you're doing whatever you were going to do regardless at the end of a long winter. (laughs) Look that up. Stringer Bell. I'm going to look it up. Good luck this week, buddy.